I'm ready whenever you are. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we're, we're live. We're all we're all live. We're good. Oh, you're like live, live, live. Like, I, I thought you had at least had a coming soon screen. I, I was about to go pick my nose and everything. Then I guess we'll just go on into it and say, welcome. Welcome on in, everyone. For those who do not know, my name is Guest, also known as It's Guest Gaming. I'm joined once again here with Default Dan as we are live here on his Twitch channel recording the Snap Back Podcast, where you snap and we snap back. Default Dan, how you doing? Good, sir. Doing good, man. Doing good. So I had a long weekend. I'm sure we'll be talking about it a little bit uh, and just uh -huh. excited about all the news and all the stuff that's been dropping throughout today. So, yeah. yeah. So for for perspective, it's 915 my time and this dropped less than 45 minutes ago and yep. about 40 minutes of them have been you switching out of the snap.fan uh, streaming setup and back yes. into default dad streaming setup. So we are here, we are live. So if you're on the audio podcast, don't worry, you're not gonna be missing out too much. If you wanna see the live conversation that's happening in the chat, head over to YouTube, where you can always find the video version of this podcast available. So yep. we got this update about Kitty Pride, which I wasn't expecting to talk about. So this is about yeah. as off the cuff, quick live reaction as we could get, because all I saw was I was like, you know, wrapping up, getting my, you know, kids in bed and I'm getting set up for, you know, the recording and okay, we're going to talk about this, this and this. And then Gaz bomb just drops out of nowhere. And here's a yeah. full Kitty Pride update. And I immediately sent you message after message after message going, we got to go live. We got to go live. I want to record. We got to go live. Let's go. Let's go. So yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, and then my computer said, my computer said, no. No, yeah. no, no. I need to restart. I need to do this and that and this. And Oh, yeah. Your, your we computer are. went for a coffee. <laughs> it went for a smoke break. It took its day off. It, it, it just took all of the things. But luckily, it's now working-ish, at least, because I see you, and that, that's a good sign. So you're here on the yeah, recording. Yeah. Hopefully, it records right, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. <laughs> but uh, we're going to – so now Absolutely. the agenda is – because we got two bits of news – we're going to talk mm -hmm. tonight about uh, Kitty Pride and yep. the update that was just announced. Then we're also going to talk about what's happening on Wednesday, not just our podcast recording, because uh, yep. we will yep. also be doing this our next recording a little bit early this week due to travel accommodations. So we'll be, be recording on Wednesday as well so we can get some live reaction to whatever the big news announcement will be on Tuesday, which is going to mm -hmm. include the Shuri information, so that's always good. Um, and then we'll also talk about the GDC talk, where Second Dinner went over and talked at Unity to discuss how they created Marvel Snap. And then we'll lastly talk about the top eight teams that were, uh, decks, excuse me, that were used in the most recent April Snap.fan Open. We're going to take a look at those constructions, talk about what worked, what didn't work, how they placed, our thoughts on them, likes, sticks, dislikes, etc. So yep. we'll go from there. But I am uh, I'm super happy, super happy to be able to talk about this because I love live reaction videos. Like I love live reaction yeah. commentary where things happen. Like you remember from the the OG days of when we were both, you know, first really starting streaming, you know, around the mm -hmm. same time as each other. And it was always like, all right, big news is happening on Friday. Yeah, Want to yeah. be live for it to get the live reaction. Yeah, and it's just dude, crazy. And now yeah, yeah. we kind of have that. So uh, I'm stoked. I'm not going to lie. I'm absolutely stoked. So absolutely. let's talk about 
the Kitty Pride update. If you have not been in the Discord to take a look at it, here is what it says. And I quote. Kitty Pride update. The recent release of Kitty Pride didn't go according to plan and will be compensating all players to thank you for your patience during this process. Shortly after the card was enabled on live servers, we saw reports of some game-breaking issues. We disabled the card from being played in many, uh, sorry, in any matches, purchased from the token shop, or collected from the collection level track until we could find a solution. Since then, we've been exploring fixes for Kitty Pride's multiple issues. However, we've found that in order to do so, whoops, in order to do so, it would involve fundamental changes to our current game engine. Instead of right, so modifying, ooh, sure, what's up? So I want, I want to talk about it just a little bit, just real quick before we continue, because yeah. we're about to talk about the, the changes here. But um, so I did get to play with Kitty Pride. And again, if anybody in the chat that's here live, let us know your thoughts on if you got to play with her beforehand and then as we go through the other stuff. Uh, and again, if you're listening on the podcast uh, after the fact, this is why you, you join us live uh, for communication stuff. But um, kind of looking at this, right, like I, I can 100% see why they had to do this. It was a oh, yeah. very clunky, like at beginning of turn, when you put her in your hand, you could put her in your hand like halfway through playing your other cards. Like there was a lot of little just weirdness on how she worked and you were kind of going back and forth with her. Um, yeah. So I, I could tell that that brand new mechanic. And, and again, I love that Snap and Second Dinner are always pushing the boundaries of what they can do with these mechanics like we saw with Kang um, and, and some other stuff of just like, in like snow guard right the new mechanics we just saw there so love yep. what they're doing there but i can 100 percent see playing with her a little bit like why they're having to redo her because of how the game was working so continue on let us know yep. how they changed her to kind of help with some of that however we found that in order to do so it would involve fundamental changes to our current game engine instead of modifying the entire game's rule set or re-releasing a partially bugged card, we're reworking Kitty's design to satisfy her existing gameplay synergies and goals in a much simpler way. So previously, Kitty Pride was a 1-0 that said you can return this to your hand to gain plus 2 power. The way she's going to be designed will still be a 1-0 that is now, when this returns to your hand, plus 2 power, returns at the start of each turn so mm. automatically it's going to return to your hand at the end of a turn and at the beginning that beginning of your sorry at the beginning the of the turn, turn turn will yeah. end turn will start she will return so this should not affect priority imagining where she was previously on the battlefield because mm -hmm. priority is decided at the by the time that the end of the turn happens, not at the start of the next turn. So priority should end up remaining as if she was on the field previously. So yep. this is a big piece here. The other piece to this is that she will never be on the field longer than she needs to be, which means that you cannot, unless if it's simultaneous as the turn she is played, you cannot kill Monger Kitty Pride. No, that's not true. That's not true. So the way the way I read this is, 
I so turn one, I play her. Mm-hmm. So she gets played, she gets revealed. If a killmonger gets revealed, she dies. Right. It, that's turn what I just two, said. At the same turn. Right. Yeah, yeah. So turn two, at when it becomes your turn where you would normally draw your card and play your card, she's gonna come to your hand. Right. So turn 100%. two, I'm gonna play her again. And then as long as the other player doesn't have so as long as I have priority, Killmonger can kill her every turn. It's the difference is Killmonger won't work if they have priority. Which because brings turn two I'll play her. Yeah. Which may bring some interesting synergy potentially with Ghost. Potentially. Here's the other thing that is going to be awesome. Now she now this fixes her with Beast and with yes. Falcon. Yes. Because now she will get the plus two based on the wording. And originally she did not Correct. get the plus two. Originally, right. so originally, just to kind of put it out there for people who didn't play or didn't use her, the statement was Beast would return her when she was fixed. Beast would return her and she would get a cost reduction, but only her ability would give the plus two. Now the way it's worded, a Beast and a Falcon can actually boost her up. So now we're going to a whole different level. Because we have a turn one, Kitty Pride. Turn two, yep. she comes back to your hand, plus two. I play her, I play a beast. She comes back to my hand, and I can actually get that extra pluses plus the cost reduction. I can play her the turn, play a falcon, pick her back up. So Kitty's going to get ridiculously huge because yeah. of the fact that now, based on this writing and this wording, she will trigger off of the other return. Correct. That's crazy. how I read it too, because it specifically says, when this returns to your na- when it when this returns to your hand so right. i'm reading it the same way which is no matter what the mechanic is it will mm-hmm. give plus 2 power because previously the verbiage was you can return this to your hand to gain plus 2 power right. now this is a reactive plus 2 power to just when yeah. it returns to your hand and that can be done in a variety of different ways such as falcon beast or the second part of her mechanic, which is returns right. at the start of each turn. So now it's listing yeah. all of those conditions automatically for that return back to yeah. the hand. So you can either proc it to happen within the reveal turn for you, mm-hmm. or you can just wait to the end of the turn. She will then pop back into your hand and then get plus two power. This is a yeah. still a static ability. This is not an on reveal each time. This is not an ongoing each time. It is Mm -hmm. still a static ability, so it's not something that can even be undone unless if it's something that is timed with, for example, um, uh, Valkyrie, or I mean, I don't know why you would ever want to play this with zero on your side of the field, but just just saying, if you wanted wanted to remove that, zero is the way you remove that. It's the only card. I meant the opponent. I meant more so the opponent. Leech, yeah. Yeah, I meant more so the opponent of how they could counter that ability from being played, stacking, returning, being played, stack, returning. Uh, It's in the chat here as well, Professor X, that would prevent cards from being removed from that lane. That does the same thing. So if anything, the other thing to note about Kitty Pride, for the same reason as the Professor X lockdown, is that certain lanes will now have that restriction as well. So for example... You do not want to necessarily play her into an unrevealed location 
an unrevealed third location because if you play her into that on turn two, I want to see how this is going to work with the start of each turn because does the location happen or does she happen? Because technically she could get locked into that third location in miniaturized building and then not be able to return to your hand until turn six. So no, I'm curious how that miniaturized, but miniaturized building wouldn't do anything. Miniaturized building says you cannot play cards here. You cannot add cards here. It doesn't say anything. Oh, that's about right. You can cards. explode cards though, so you can remove cards. Correct. Or so if there's a Pe nightcrawler in there, you can move it out. You're right. You're right. Sorry, that's right. my fault. That's my so, fault. So, so Peach is Peach is asking the question of so she will so will she? And yes, the answer is she will always return to her hand. So now she, that is her downside. So her downside yeah. is you can't throw her into a void or, um, uh, like you men mentioned, a, a miniaturized, um, lab or um trying to think of the one that that shuts down after turn four um uh, but anyway, oh, so, um yeah brain kiln, fart but yeah there we go so kiln, thank you so there there's several locations now where originally you could have thrown her in and just left her you didn't have to pick yep. her up that turn but now because she returns every time it is going to make you have to think about the fact that one i have to pay energy every turn to play her one energy yep. every turn so if if you're not using a beast kind of synergy or anything like that you are now going to have to have an issue with, um, you know, turn six, you don't have a six drop anymore because mm -hmm. she's going to be your one power if you want to use her. So there is going to be some deck restrictions, which I think is okay. I think that's a good downside considering they added even more upside because honestly, man, she was busted and busted good. Yes, a yeah. killmonger can kill her and there's, you know, even electric can kill her if you're doing, you know, you're, you're guessing it correctly, but she was yeah. so good. You could pick her up and move her. Yes, yeah. it's not a move, so it doesn't trigger Craven, but you got to kind of, like, on turn six, people kind of forget that card can come back to your hand and go somewhere else. So, um, you know, if you also think about cards like um, places like Shuri's Lab, so being able to pick her up, I mean, she is going to get up every turn, and you're going to put her back in. Like, you were already doing that before, but now, I mean, it's just, it's a little more obvious. So, yeah, it's yeah. going to be really good. Collector. I mean, yeah, she's, she's going to be, yeah. she's going to be super, super good. And yeah. there's more to this update. Yes. Once you there's continue more to with the this. update, cause there's more yeah. Yeah. that I think people are going to be happy about. So here's the other piece to this. So as we continue into the post, uh, after the previous and new designs are listed, it then states, we need a bit more time, uh, testing time to verify that everything is functioning as expected. Kitty Pride will be returning to the game in our May patch, approximately four weeks from tomorrow. So that's, it's referring to the 18th of April. So four weeks from the 18th of April, whatever that exactly mm -hmm. is. We recognize that this has been a frustrating experience for everyone, especially for players that purchased Kitty Pride before she was disabled and haven't had access to 6,000 collector tokens. To apologize for the inconvenience, we're taking the following steps as compensation. The big C word everyone was waiting for. It's coming. Later it this week. Marvel Snap. Yeah. Later this week, the week of April 17th, later this week, current Kitty Pride owners will receive 8,000 tokens, a Kitty Pride base avatar. And then, in the May patch, all players will receive the reworked Kitty Pride 
for free. Mm-hmm. Free people. We are all about to get Kitty Pride. Yes, yes. And that's that's a little scary. So pool one, it's scary. Pool five, doesn't matter where you are in your collection level. You could be 22,000 and finished. You could be just starting this week. Yeah. Um, that May patch. We all though. get it. That's nuts. It's scary, it's scary. Though, because now, now you have Hitmonkey. So we're going to be talking about yeah. some of this a little bit later with the Snapdot fan open. But now you have mm-hmm. a very strong bounce deck getting yeah. everybody getting a free, like crazy good piece to that bounce deck. Like we talked yeah. about the collector. Every time she bounces back, every turn, collector goes up. Yep. You've got beast to make her free. So every turn you can play her for free. Yeah. And every time you play a card, you've got things like Hitmonkey. Could be even better. Especially when she's yeah, free. She's, she's going to be, for lack of a better term, a different kind of broken. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm calling it here and now that come the June update, they will change her to a 1 1 when this returns to your hand plus, plus one power. Uh, I am telling you enough. right now. I am telling you right now that still will be good. Absolutely. It still will be good. I understand the stat line on it, especially if you play it on turn one and how the curve works. And essentially you're playing a total of six power for 12 energy, which is the same as Hulk. I get that. Yeah. I said that backwards, but you know what I meant? Yeah. yeah. I, I get that. But 1000%. That's going to be insane, and it is a very strategic strategic option if you wish to play her at all. Because here's the thing. You only need to play her twice to get maximum value out of her. Because if you think of all the cards yeah. that are in the game that are one cost, right? Once you pass one, two, you start hitting into the potential negative effect lane. And you always can tell this, and I I use this in prior conversations as well, that your Patriot deck cards, right? Your no ability cards are kind of your baseline Mm -hmm. to decide if a card's going to have a neutral ability, a positive ability, or a potentially damaging ability. So you look at Misty Knight, who's a one, two with no ability. Typically anything that's one, one has some, or lower has something super beneficial for you. Anything that's one, three, or higher when it comes to power could have a potentially negative thing for you, like blade killing the wrong card or zero taking the ability away from the wrong card, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that at one zero, there's going to be this much power. I'm still in shock that first off, everybody's getting it. I'm surprised they're not just loading it into pool three but I appreciate more so than anything else here. I appreciate the fact that they're doing it because what they've done here then is said that, listen, we messed up. We own it. It happened. If you invest your collector tokens, we're going to give you that plus more, which is how good customer service goes. But then looking at the entire economy of the game, if the rest of the community doesn't receive the card, Basically, if you purchased it, you got it for free. But otherwise, you have to wait until you're in pool three. Or if it goes, let's say they did the pool three uh, edition, you wouldn't be able to choose it as your potential free pool three card until June. Yeah. So if you don't open it along the track. So 
I appreciate the fact that they're doing this. I understand why, because my, my background is in, you know, customer service and HR. And I, I 1000% understand the full scope as to why they've done what they've done from a compensation standpoint, because it might seem like a lot. And I'll tell you, honestly, it is. They are 1000%. They have lost so much money on Kitty Pride. It's not even funny. It's not even fun. They, they've, they're cutting their losses right here is what they're doing. They've said, look, yeah, yeah. we screwed up. We have to take this as a loss. We lost you know, on money from the collector's tokens. We're going to lose on the money from potential, you know, the free card later on, uh, getting it in the drops at 3,000 the following month if we've dropped it back into Series 5. They are 100% yeah. saying, we're taking this one. We're owning this one. We're taking this one. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think at this point, they they knew they had to do something big. Oh, because yeah. this is their this is their first real big mess up. Like, yes, they've had some cards that have been overpowered. They've had to tweak and change, but this is the first like, oops, we really broke yeah. the game and we had to take a card away. Like Kang had a lot of issues, yeah. but they were able to resolve Kang fairly quickly, um, like under the radar essentially. Compared to like Kitty, they're like, sorry, we got to pull her out. So. I think the 8,000 tokens is great. Again, I'm one of those that spend 6,000 and I've, I've, I always keep about another 6,000. So I try to keep about 12,000 tokens. That way, yeah. if I buy a card and I see one, I still know that I have enough for like, you know, next month with high evolutionary, whatever it may be. Like I always yeah. have that, that next card. So for me, it wasn't that big, but there's a lot of people out there that they had their 6,000 tokens and they're like, I don't know what to buy. Kitty came out all these videos went out about how good she was and people, yeah. there's a lot of people that gravitated towards bounce and have gravitated towards bounce for a while. And they're like, mm -hmm. okay, yep, grabbing it. And then now they haven't been able to get a single card since because they're sitting on a thousand tokens, right? Because they don't, they're yeah. free to play. They don't do all that kind of stuff. So I think that was a really good way of doing it. You're getting an extra 2000 tokens. Uh, realistically, you're getting your money back and the cards. So like, it, it's a, it's a big thing, but I want to go back just real quick. You had mentioning, you think she'll get tweaked. You think she'll get nerfed. And I'm, I'm on the opposite side of the fence. And the reason I'm on the opposite side of the fence is she has to be played on turn six. If she was like she used to be where you could play her on turn two and leave her and have the option of leaving her, then I, I think that, okay, that's a little strong. But the fact that no matter what you do, she is going to come back to your hand on turn five, you know, barring, barring, uh, Professor X, she's going to yeah. come back to your hand on turn five, and you have to use one energy. And I'm I'm going on the fact that you haven't been able to beast yet, but yeah, she's having to be one energy on turn six, meaning now I can't play Magneto. I can't play like there's a bunch of cards I can't play. So instead, now I have to go with the deck that gets away from six drops. So yes, the bounce deck doesn't play too many, but it it makes you fundamentally have to play her on turn six so i think that that is one of the things where i agree with you she's going to be very strong and she's going to be a must-have if you're playing the bounce deck but the fact that she has to come out turn six i i think will allow her to stick around without getting nerfed a little bit longer i hope that that's the case i hope that they don't you know say wow we shot ourselves in the foot and now everybody has this op card um because i'm also then curious at the same time come may what pool do they put her in for the future? Because other, you know, people, everyone's going to get it for free. And then how else do you get her? Are they going to put her in pool one? Are they going to put her in pool three? I'm curious. Yeah. 
you know, that's, that's for, a good question. We'll have to ask, I, we'll I have am, to ask am, the devs on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to. What love happens to hear if you start one. the game? Yeah, if you the start the after. game two weeks later, right? Like, yeah, do you just have her, or is it something where she's and and they may just throw her in pool three? Honestly, yeah, they may just say, you know I, what, she's pool three, where every every pool five cards ending up at this point. So the 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 theory crafter is coming out in me because outside of bounce, uh, I do think that she has another perfect home because I was just today I was working on a sentry surfer deck and the whole mm-hmm. logic behind it was because the problem with silver surfer decks is that turns four and five are very awkward. There's always lost energy, yeah. which is why Sunspot used to be so great with them specifically. Yeah. Can you imagine how perfect? this new version of Kitty Pride is going to be in Silver Surfer decks where you have the option to play her, and especially in a Sarah build where you could say you got her down on turn one, you didn't play her on turn two, you fill the gap on turn four, you fill the gap on turn five. She's a 1-6. Yeah. That's a great well, card because... You played. You did. You played Sarah. That's five. what I'm. That's what I'm saying. If you didn't get Sarah, you play her five. Okay, she's a one you, six. If you play Sarah on five, she's still a one four, and helping to fill the gap. If you don't have the three cost cards that you want in your hand. Yeah. So the, I the think the only problem. The only problem I think she's going to be the Silver Surfer play... re-rise next month. I really do. I don't. I think she. I don't know. She's going to be vicious. I'm, I'm going to be doing problem. it. Go here's your it. problem. Yes. Your problem is. After turn five, she comes back to your hand. So turn six, she's taking the place of a three drop. Whether you have Potentially, Sarah down or not, she's taking the place of a, of a if as, you want a player. But here's the thing. As someone who's played a lot of Silver Surfer since Silver Surfer came out specifically, I've made a lot of decks about it. I always am testing Surfer because I think he's still an extremely relevant card and will be in a month and a half. I'd say probably half of the games I play I don't have all six energy perfectly filled out, whether it be no Sarah and two three drops or with Sarah and three three drops. I'd say more than half of the time, maybe close to, you know, like 50 to 60%, we'll call it. I'm not filling that perfect curve on turn six. So somebody like, please do, please do. (laughs) But like, Look, yeah. when it happens, it's gorgeous, and that's how the Silver Surfer deck is supposed to work. But what this does is it also reopens the idea that, you know what? Putting Wong back in a Silver Surfer deck has relevance again. Doing a Zabu-Wong combo with her as your turn six play now mm-hmm. has weight. So yeah, there's, that, that's how yeah. I look at it, as a card that is going to fill those those specific types of curves and yes there are going to be those counters someone also said earlier you know sandman comes back killmonger comes every card has a counter yeah, yeah. and you can't well, build a deck in fear of another card yeah i mean i definitely think that wins when kitty comes out uh your your best bet for the first week is to run sandman because of the fact that that week she comes out Everybody's going to switch to Hitmonkey plus Kitty plus whatever. So it's going to be just like it was at the beginning of the season. It's going to be Doomwave Galore. I agree. So I definitely think that that first week, that first week or two will be a little rough for Kitty to really show it. Um, Yeah. But yeah, here's the thing. I think prior to this change, you had the option of Sunspot or Kitty. And at that given time, 
I would argue with you every day that Kitty was better. Yeah. Now we're in a spot where because she has to come back to your hand, I think they're even now. I still think that Kitty is amazing and a good card, but now I think they're yeah. even because there's a lot of decks where you want to play a six drop, so Sunspot's going to be better. But if this you're in a true. deck like this a surfer true. deck or uh, a bounce deck or something like that, and you're probably going to run Kitty because you know that I'm not running a bunch of six drops. I'm running a bunch of Dino. I'm running uh, Dark Hawk, right? I'm running cards where I have that extra energy on turn six. But that is the thing you're going to have to think about when building the deck with Kitty now is I need yep. one energy on six. So how do I build my deck around that? Um, yeah. So it'll maybe also be this is how see. we now use she, uh, the new Red Skull. This is how the new Red Skull may now mm -hmm. come to be because he's still a damn good five drop. And yes, sure, he's going to get adjusted, but even still, yeah. think about, you know, you're still dropping 20 some odd power potentially on turn six with a Red Skull yeah. and Kitty Pride combo. That's a, that's a damn, damn strong combo to be guaranteed yeah. and could be more power than infinite without having to skip turn five. Like there's, there's so much that's going to come for this. So basically they're, they concluded their post by simply saying, we thank you for your patience as we work through these issues with Kitty pride. The integrity of our card releases is important and must hit an acceptable bar that creates mm -hmm. trust. We learned a lot through this process and will improve the quality of future releases. We are excited for Kitty pride's return and look forward to seeing new decks with her included and i i am too i am very excited to see where kitty pride goes now with this new mechanic because no. the only other thing that i'm gonna say is unfortunate you know because they're looking to drop this in the may release if timing works out right with what the calendar looks like right now that should be the same week as high evolutionary mm -hmm. if they unless if they do a jeff the baby land shark and they move everything around i'm, I'm gonna proactively throw it out there to the devs to the community right now okay with all of the cards that are coming in may in particular knowing that yep. kitty pride is going to come on down and knowing that more than half the community is going to want to play a lot of these littles we're going to see a rise in sandman decks Please, mm -hmm. let's swap the order of the May Series 5 cards. Let's bring High Evolutionary and Living Tribunal early. And then later on, let's get Howard the Duck and Iron Lad. If you do that switch, I think we're in a much better place for throughout the entire month of May. Because otherwise, that May update's going to hit. And we're going to get one of those two, either Living Tribunal or High Evolutionary. But specifically, based on what we know from the data mines, it looks like right. it's supposed to be High Evolutionary that week, which is a, you know, you've got a, a possible 1-9 abomination you're trying to drop at the same time. We're going to see a huge rise, huge, huge rise in Sandman decks at that time if you also drop Kitty Pride. And for the community side of thing, I think that it's, things, it's super important that the devs have that foresight because of yeah. look at what happened in the first week of this season. Hitmonkey came out and what was the second most popular deck? Yeah. You had the, Sandman. Yeah, you had the Sandman coming in and, you know, I mean, I think, the, I think the thing though, the only good upside to that is currently, 
I don't feel like there's a crazy awesome Sandman deck. Um, I think that the Doom deck with Sandman is pretty good. I think yeah. if you go against Hit Monkey, it's really good, but I feel like there's so many decks that it loses to. Now, once Shuri gets adjusted, we'll have to see what that actually looks like. But yeah, again, I, I've made this argument before like Sandman has to come down early to make that big of a difference. Um, he does hurt turn six, but and again, that's where you see the Hit Monkey decks really hurting. Um, but you know, coming down on five, I just don't see him that effective against most decks that are out there. So I'm I'm liking the hybrid Sandman Galactus decks right now. Um mm -hmm. because I think that those will be relevant in a month's time if they leave everything exactly as is. Um yeah. mark my words. Mark my words. That's that's what I'm we'll thinking. have to see. So Enchantress we will have may, to see um, may make a rise. She every time there's some kind of big ongoing as well it's always going to happen so just 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 yeah. be ready people just be ready it's going to happen in some way shape or form if that calendar continues so we shall see but overall i'd like to say and wrap up the kitty pride conversation yeah. because the kitty pride update was was a surprise was absolutely fantastic mm -hmm. we're all getting kitty pride it, she's going to be a great card we're going to see a rising collector and a lot of really fun decks for a little while. And I think it's overall been handled really eloquently. It's been frustrating to not get communication, but then at least when you came through with the communication, you came through with really, really good quality, substantial detailed communication to us all at once. So kudos to that to the team over at second dinner we are happy as someone who didn't have kitty pride i am happy with what's going on default dan as someone who did have kitty pride it sounds like you're pretty happy too yeah no i'm i'm absolutely happy and like i said it's it's amazing that they're going to give this card to uh to everybody because that's yeah. that's a huge deal it is it is a huge deal we'll give you guys updates when we also hear about where she is going to end up landing in the series series uh post that but uh until then we're gonna say kitty yeah. pride we'll see you in four weeks see you in four weeks all right let's move on here though uh because we've had a lot to talk about now one of the other things that just got dropped today was the update in regards to for those who did not see on twitter I believe it's this one. Boom. Yeah, yeah, there, there we go. Yeah, I was just making sure I got the right window. So this right here, sim almost simultaneously, we got dropped just this picture. Ben Brode versus Shroud. Get ready for 419. So from that's 40 uh, within 48 hours from now. Ben Brode versus Shroud in Marvel Snap. Now, for those who do not know, uh, Shroud is, I'd say, probably a top 100, safely. Top 100 content creator and gamer. And one of the, like, for perspective, on Twitch, he has 10 million followers. And on YouTube, he has just shy of 7 million. He's one of the largest gaming content creators. He primarily focuses in first-person shooters like uh, Call of Duty, uh, PUBG, uh, Days, etc., right? 
He's just and and he's the reason he got so popular was because he's just that good. Mm-hmm. And he's going up against Ben Brode in Marvel Snap. Like the marketing choice on this is absolutely genius. The and I already went over to Shroud's Twitch page, and it's the first thing you see on his about profile right now is boom, Ben Brode versus Shroud mm-hmm. 419. No time information, but if it's based on the same thing as his normal streaming hours, this is an afternoon event. So hopefully we get more timeline information. I don't see anything yet. I've been looking on Discord. I'm following the tweets. I'm not seeing anything yet, but your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where Marvel Snap has been really good about getting the proper people playing the game and getting the the word out there. So if we look at some of the other games, right? So again, it's all about Marvel Snap, but I want to just kind of point out a few things that have happened over the last month or two. So over the last month or two, we've had a lot of streamers and YouTubers, um, you know, magically falling into being these big Yu-Gi-Oh players. Right? There's been several big tournaments with streamers and content creators that just magically had these giant tournaments for Yu-Gi-Oh. And so that has brought the life to that game. And I think that what we're seeing right now with Snap, and even though, yes, I feel like over the last month or so, we've had a slight downtick in players, right? Like there, there's been a lot of people that have said, they didn't it's like leveled. the Thanos yeah. stuff, right? They there was a lot of stuff with the Thanos decks and Shuri decks, and and that's getting better as we go. But it's very very smart for you know Ben Brode and the the Snap team to say, what is a big streamer out there that's good at what he does, and we can get to to play to get some views on here. And the the fact that I like the the big thing that I like about this is it's not just hey, let's go give a streamer a bunch of money to play the game for a couple hours, right? And then say, go download it, and then they're back to their other game. Instead, it's, let's see Shroud play against Ben Brode. Because Ben Brode plays fun and interesting and weird and different decks. So it's also not saying, let's go find the best Snap player out there, right? That's the most competitive that we see in these tournaments and say, let's take a person like that and go against the big streamer that... Maybe doesn't play Snap as much. Maybe Shroud does play Snap. Maybe that's a one of his other games he plays, uh, you know, on his phone, you know, off stream or whatever it may be. Yeah, but I think it's fun. I think it's going to bring bring a lot of attention because Shroud does have such a big following, and I could see this leading to some of the other big content creators, some of the big YouTube streamers, Twitch streamers, you know, doing this big showdown. I mean, we've had some of these tournaments pop in where they've gotten some of the big Magic players, Yu-Gi-Oh players. Hearthstone players to come in and play Snap, even if they're they don't play it all the time, uh, to do this. And I think this is a very smart move. Uh, and it's gonna be entertaining. And Rhodes always entertaining when he does this. We've seen a lot of videos of him playing against Snap people. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'm 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 ready to see it. Yeah, I think that, you know, from a like I said, from a marketing standpoint, they are absolutely killing it with this kind of connection, this kind of marketing. Because for those who do not know from a yeah. from a content creator's standpoint. You know, there's one thing to have a partnership with the game, and there's another thing to be sponsored, right? So Mm -hmm. this type of relationship, the Ben Brode versus Shroud thing, I'll tell you confidently, with especially with someone as big as Shroud, Shroud's getting paid. Like, and he's getting paid 
probably pretty damn well for this specific stream or video or whatever it is. You know, this could be just a video that's yeah. been edited that they're going to put up on their YouTube. Who knows? But until we know more, hopefully we'll find out more very soon. Um, I can speak from the aspect of, you know, I, I know you're in the program, for example, with Marvel Snap, right? You mm -hmm. are, you know, in the content creator group. You know, I'm still trying to get in there. Ben. Hey, Glenn, Ben and Glenn. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see how Ben handles this when it comes to the type of, because he always puts out the good content videos for in the, uh, the announcements, right? But when he's putting in, putting in a video or a stream with Shroud, and Shroud's getting paid to do this, one of two things is probably going to happen from this. Well, first off, it's going to be a boatload of viewers. Boatload of viewers, right? Whether it's on YouTube, on Twitch, no matter what it is, this is a lot of eyes on the game, and that's what they're doing. This is a marketing move, 1,000%. You see it on Twitter for that reason. It's to get more people to come to the game. And after having been in games that have had similar content creator programs for partnership and also had sponsors and had sponsored streams on other larger creators' platforms, right? Seeing this collaboration really intrigues me. Really intrigues me. Because... This is not, let me just get somebody and then they apply for it and then they say, okay, well, maybe we can work together and you've got like 70,000, 80,000, 100,000 followers. Or this isn't like a, a, a small thing. This is a yeah. big dollar amount happening because they're expecting a big dollar amount back mm -hmm. in new players. Like yeah. for, for perspective, I, if I remember the stats correctly, isn't it something like 11 million? If I remember correctly, currently yeah, in the was, player base, it's like it's something huge like that. Shroud alone has that many YouTube plus Twitch followers combined yeah. and then more. So well, and and the other thing is Shroud's. So when it comes to these content creators, Shroud's not alone. Like, oh, Shroud yeah, works with Shroud works with these other uh, streamers. I mean, you've got big streamers like uh ninja you've got big streamers like um ludwig and and those guys that most likely once one or two of these guys start streaming it like you'll see them stream it once or twice right like because they they yeah. gotta do the you know not to say they have to copy anybody but like that's what happens in that world because they're all talking yeah. and playing and they're gonna challenge each other and things like that so now you're looking at not just this one stream most likely not just this yeah. one stream you're gonna see some of these other uh, content creators and live streamers play it as well. Even if it's one stream, you're going to see it pop up. So yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I think this is this is a brilliant move. It's very expensive, but they're also going to we're going to see a whole new player base come to the game just from this specific video. You know, yeah. The if this if this is just a YouTube video, for example, and it only went on Shroud's page, not even the Marvel Snap page. If it only went on Shroud's page. And if 10% of those people watch that video, so now you're looking at 670,000 people. If 10% of that then decides to download the game, that's 67,000 new people into the game. Yeah. If half of them then decide to get the, the Captain America, you know, 299 pack, the welcome to the game pack. Mm -hmm. 
if they're paying Shroud $100,000, I'm over-exaggerating. I have no idea what they pay him. But yeah, yeah. for example, if they pay him $100,000 for this type of a big event, it's been taken care for by Captain America 299 packs because of how big his following is, which then leads yeah. to more viewers for, let's be honest, all of us as content creators as well. So I, as a creator... Yeah. I'm super happy to see this level, insanely high level of yeah. content creator come be a part of the Marvel Snap community, even if it's just for 20 minutes. I am ecstatic about it. And we're all going to have a good time. We're all going to, yeah. you know, enjoy the Ben Brodness. Uh, he's probably going to play something that includes debris. Let's be honest here. Like, it's going to be playing a, it's the going to be fun. He's playing the Iron Man ongoing deck. You know he is. He loves that deck so much. This is well, he loves his debris deck as well. His clog him up yeah, deck. Yeah. Like he loves that. You know, and now yeah. and now Master Mold's here, so you know, maybe that'll be there too. But well, here I, I, here's I, the other here's the other aspect of it that I'm I'm really loving though, right? So, yeah. This is a versus, which means we're using our battle mode. Yes. Which means they're also seeing that people want to watch the battle mode. So maybe something like this also starts to help out the tournament scene more. Again, we've got, we'll talk about Very a little true. bit later. We've got the Snapdown fan open. We've got all those big tournaments. I mean, there was other tournaments going around uh, this past weekend too. And every weekend there's some, some type of tournament going on. So maybe this is also something that helps draw attention to that to where we're like, Hey, people want to watch this. So yeah. maybe we can get some kind of spectator mode. So we're not having to share a screen through discord to pull up on a stream. And it yeah. be, you know, the quality that we're having to stream it as, as content creators and tournament hosts and things like that. So, right. you know, again, I, I think that there's a lot of aspects to this because if this, this gets a million views, if this gets 10 million views, which is possible when this stuff hits YouTube, when you have a big yeah. name behind it, like that's where maybe it starts to draw the attention of like, Hey, people want to watch this and maybe yeah. we need a better mode to showcase this. It's very plausible, and I didn't even think of it like that, but you're 100% right. Like, this could be huge for the tournament scene. For yeah. any and all of us that host and broadcast and participate in tournaments, because this specific moment could be the beginning of the eSports Marble Snap era that many of us are pushing for because yeah, yeah. of a giant creator like this getting involved. I mean, 100%. who knows? And who knows? But I, I'm, you, yeah, I know I, I'm I do happy and I know you're happy and I hope you at home are listening uh, are just as happy about it because this is a very good thing for the game. Yeah. And, and I hope as lethal says in chat, I hope shroud uses gambit because shroud is the best first person shooter player out there. And I yeah. just want him to use gambit and just yell out boom headshot when he destroys whatever Ben Broad's trying to do on his side. That'd be, it would great. be epic and the best meme moment ever. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's a video, it's already a short, it's ready to go. So I, I hope so less fun, but yeah, still yeah. about Ben Broad segue. Yep. But because there's, there's some really cool things to look at with this. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure that, you know, whether it's on the YouTube video, whether it's on the podcast, like links to all of these things that we look at, I will have available. So you can take a look yeah. at the Discord post, you can take a look at the Marble Snap tweet, and you can take a look at the video of the speech that was given at Unity for the GDC. 
I think I said that backwards, but whatever. Yeah, it's so, uh, yeah, the game you know developer conference GDC. Right. Uh, you know what I meant. Based I said it backwards, Unity. but you know, it, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a broken gotcha. broken intro. I but, gotcha. You know, shit happens. But uh, <laughs> I I watched it. I know you did too. Mm-hmm. It's an hour long presentation of them presenting how they created Marvel Snap, and I was I'll say confidently, it's a PowerPoint presentation. But if you like Marvel Snap, it's a yeah. really cool watch. So what I did was I also I got, went ahead and screenshot some of the really cool images for mm-hmm. what they did. So if you're on the YouTube side of things, you're about to see them. Otherwise, I'll explain some of the things that they showcased in this uh, giant presentation. They were showing kind of like yeah. the, the whole road to how they got to global launch and launching it with a main core group of only 50 people. And how they worked yep. with their different partners and that how it all started on Ben Brode's business cards and, you know, getting the mm-hmm. idea of they want to mm-hmm. do a Marvel IP. And I got to say, you know, because I'm leaving the cards here on screen for the video, uh, the initial cards. But I did find it not surprising, but still interesting with my Disney background that they did not speak any part whatsoever about the relationship with Disney and how they obtained the Marvel IP. They did not talk about it at all. The only thing they said in regards to Disney in the entire presentation was after their first phase of conception and they got it to a digital client. At that point, they said one phrase along the lines of, and then we heard back from Disney and got approval from Marvel for the IP. And that was it. And I just found that, again, for those who do not know, yeah. uh, I, I used to work at Disney uh, for many years in guest relations, also behind the scenes, in backstage tours. I'm a Disney nerd in any and all ways, shapes, and forms. I've been on the PR side also. So knowing what was said and what wasn't said for me is really fun <laughs> because yeah. I know what they basically had to get approved by Disney to even say at that speech, which was yeah, probably which, that one sentence verbatim. Right. Which I, I also think when you look at that type of stuff, yes, Disney is the overarching part of that, but with a lot of this IP, I bet you a lot of it was held closer to the comics division of Marvel, the art division of Marvel. Yes. Disney has to have the final say, but they were yeah. probably working a lot with directly with Marvel, which is why we didn't hear too much. but. Um, I, I just want to talk about this real quick, right? So here's the thing. I've been playing card games and I've, I've prefaced this uh, on streams before and even probably the last podcast, but I've been playing card games for over 20 years. So back when I was in elementary school, I was playing Magic the Gathering. And if you are a person who has played any type of card game back in elementary school and middle school, you have tried to create your own card game. It just, it's just a fact <laughs> you've looked at magic. You've looked at Pokemon. You've looked at these card games and said, I can do that. That's easy. But here's the thing. It's not because everything you do, you continually look back at magic or whatever card game you play and your mechanics look so similar to their mechanics. And, and the difficulty is a lot of those mechanics are actually copyrighted by these games. And so when Ben Brode was looking at this and for people that don't know, the two founding creators of Snap came from Hearthstone and they were the creators of Hearthstone. Um, and and yeah. so when they came here, they also had to make sure they weren't copying Hearthstone or giant lawsuits and things like that. So 
it is it is fun to see how they took this from like you're seeing on screen here like notes on a piece of paper into the digital game that we see because there's a lot of iterations they talk about there's a lot of these mechanics they had to work through and it's not just something where you're just going to go hey i want to build a card game and you build it in two or three weeks right it it takes a lot of testing a lot of perfecting and that's what i really enjoyed about these speeches is when he was going through that and they were talking about it it was just like hey it you know we did this iteration we didn't like it you know we did it vertical we did it horizontal we did it nine cards instead of four cards like they really yeah. went through all these different pieces and it wasn't just mechanics like what i found really interesting was the art and how much the art dictated yeah. because this is marvel this is marvel comics it's all about the art the art dictated a lot of their choices going back to that nine cards over four they said that once they got up to nine cards on a location you couldn't see the art on the cards. So what's the point of nine cards on the location, which brought them back yep. down to four. So I, I just loved listening to them and just the little nuances that you never think about um, in that go into a game and how they kind of like, were like, Hey, you know, even when it was only four or five of us, we were noticing that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Other little things that I, I, I loved noticing in, in the very early conceptions of the game is also mm-hmm. how much of it made it to the final version from yeah. these little individual cards. Like on, on the screen, we see Mojo World, the sewer system, Nightcrawler, Ant-Man, like so mm-hmm. many of these cards that obviously we already know and love. And almost all of what I just said, the mechanics, the cost, and the power are all exactly what they currently are in the game. Like yeah. the core idea was so strong from the very beginning that as it evolved, it held its weight. So sure, some of the characters, you know, like the Captain America one is dead on. Three cost, three power, and it says your other cards at this location have plus one power. Like it's dead on exact. But I'm curious, and they never mentioned it, is what's, uh, what I else is in an, one of these? I may have these... an answer. Yeah, good. I may have an answer uh, if, if you keep going. I, I'm pretty sure you do because of your background. One of the other things that I, I see on the screen in this early card version of this is something that didn't make it to the final version of the game, which is they have a 10-sided die. And I think I know why also, but I'm curious, if a dice mechanic was implemented into this game, how would it have been implemented potentially? Okay, so... Not what I was thinking you were going with, but that's fine. So they did say during the speech that uh, originally what they were looking at was the die was the energy each turn, which means they probably didn't have a lot of cards. Yeah, that probably didn't have a lot of cards that added energy or removed energy to make sides different. If you think of cards like Electro and things things like that, if they were using one die. Well, yeah, I I guess, but like... I'm just saying if they had just the generic die there, the, the turn yeah, die, yeah. energy die. Um, but I mean, I, there's definitely, if you look at magic, right? Like um, magic has a lot of um, dice that you would use, but they're not usually for chance. They're not usually for rolls, but they did just release a set uh, last year. I believe it was, was the dungeons and Dragons set. And they actually had a lot of cards that were roll a dice. And if it's, two through whatever this is what happens if it's this through that this happens um and and there was something that was kind of done there now that's 
I wouldn't like that, but I, I bet you they were having to use dice for things like uh, some of our locations that are, you know, generate a random card, roll a dice, pick a number through whatever, and then that corresponds to a card, and they did some stuff right. like that. Um, but what I thought you were going to ask yes. is when you talked about a lot of these cards being one-to-one -one of when they got released. So, fun fact, when I was at Creator Clash in New York, uh, we got to talk to a few of the devs that were there. And uh, they said, which was really interesting and fun, that some cards that we're seeing were actually different cards. And I, I hate myself, the fact that I did not write it down or make a note of what cards, but they mentioned, like, there was a card that was released while we were up there that was originally one of the current cards, whether it was Wolverine or Cyclops or somebody like mm -hmm. that. So it's also funny that they've, They've taken some cards where they built the mechanic and whether it was Marvel, Disney, whatever, didn't like the mechanic with the character or they just decided this didn't fit the character's personality, they've then held it. And then when another character came up and they were like, hey, what if we do this character? That sounds good for it. And so we've seen that kind of movement of the ability where they knew that that would be a good card. They just weren't sure what character to put it with. So I thought that was a really interesting thing because I know that probably happened a lot because you have to imagine when they started this game, they probably sat down and said, let's look at the X-Men. Let's look at Spider-Man. Let's look at all the stuff that everybody knows, right? And start yep. there with those characters. If you look at a lot of our base series, one and two cards, a lot of them are X-Men, you know, generic or X-Men centric characters. And so people probably had favorite characters and things. And then they, they went from there. So it's, it's very yep. interesting to see as we've gotten into the infinite, which I know is one of Ben Brody's favorite characters from a, a previous video, right? Like some of these not so known characters they're bringing in. Uh, it's fun to see what they're, what they're doing with them. But um, yeah, I, I just found that very interesting of the fact that they also recognize some of the abilities they knew they wanted to put in. Yeah. Didn't match to certain characters and needed to be moved to a different character. It's, it was really, really cool. Just conversationally listening to them talk about, this timeline and then they evolve and how it slowly moved from, you know, this, you know, printed card game concept yeah. into the digital client and yeah. seeing the first ever versions of it on a tablet was really, to me was really cool. Now I I've been trying, mm -hmm. I, I will say, uh, to get all of the zooms as much as possible to try and see all of the things on all of the places like school for the yeah. gifted school for gifted children as a location they still had the dice mechanic yeah. it looks like in here and then you can this, see sentinels and this was and the nine there's there's a the lot nine of cool card stuff. location yeah yeah this, this is the, the nine, nine card location version on the about. screen in the youtube video version yeah it was just yeah it was really cool kind of seeing how far the game has come yeah. In, in such a, you know, I mean, let's be honest here, four years. It seems like a long time, yeah. but it's really a short period of time. Yeah, it is. In, in, and I, in, I think in a lot of ways. And going back to the die real quick, I think the other thing, the reason why it's there is because when you play, like when you play magic, your life total is uh, shown by a 20 sided die. When you mm -hmm. play some of these other true, true, games, true. like dice are generally accepted in the world of card games and things so i think that was another reason i think they thought it would be cool like as an aesthetic uh for some of that yeah um you know but 
yeah, I've yeah, got it's, a. It's uh, interesting. It's interesting to see how they kind of held it. Yeah, and I mean, and I will say they made a lot of very smart decisions very early on, based on some of the uh, the concepts that we yeah. could that we could actually decipher out of these images. I mean, because there's there's a lot happening here, and one of the things that I found cool was, and that I'm glad that they didn't go with, because imagine this in Marvel Snap. Like I have it on the screen here uh, on the video side. You could have multiple potentially of the same card in a much mm-hmm. larger deck, you know, like like many other card games. Could you imagine a world where you're playing a Silver Surfer deck and huh, you have like six Silver Surfers in there that all could technically buff each other up? Like just to go back to the prior conversation, yeah. like there is there's a lot there. And no default, Dan, how dare you do not associate me with that sure okay he types into the live chat here for one of our one of our viewers i'm rocking a mets shirt which i am i am from long island new york born and bred and i will fight you if you think jersey is better in any way shape or form including bagels okay no do not put me into the dirty land of dirty wendy's from the the new york area so okay Uh, he was also a creator class with us all right Good so, people, good people that um, automatically just via default. Yes, but I am a New Yorker. And for those who do not know from our listener side, I am born and bred there. Lived, as I said, lived in Florida, worked in Florida, in Disney. But uh, then, you know, life and happiness and love yeah, and yeah. marriage and kids. And now I live in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So, yeah, all the way the other way. Yeah. So but, I want to go back to one one quick thing where you're saying, like, uh, the fact you're seeing multiple of the same card played. Um, and this was one thing that he had talked about a while back too, where when they, when they were thinking of, and I think it may have been just like the release, the Marvel snap release video, when they were thinking about doing this, right. When you get into these games, when you get into magic, you get into Hearthstone, all these other, you know, essentially competitors at this point, one of the big things about those games that makes it competitive and nice yet difficult for an average player to pick up is deck building. The fact that in Magic you have 60 cards, and, and you can build more than 60 cards, but you usually have a 60-card minimum. You have a four-card maximum of any card in your deck. Um, you also have to figure in your energy and your land, so your mana base for Magic. And so when you're looking at a 60-card deck, it's a lot of math. It's, I need 23 lands. Of those 23, they need to be these percentages, these cards. I need four of this one, but only two of that one, and three of this yeah. one if you want that perfect deck for tournaments and stuff, when you get to Hearthstone, it gets one step easier. That one step easier is you don't have to worry about mana because just like in Marvel Snap, you get energy every turn and your energy equates to the energy on the cards. But you can still have multiple of each card and there's still more than a 12-card deck and all that. So what I love that they did is they said, hey, that is a barrier to the average player. You can't get a normal mobile yeah. person to go pick up Hearthstone and enjoy Hearthstone. You have to be in that world to enjoy any kind of TCG. And Snap took it one step further and said, you know what? You need 12 cards. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. You're not going to do two of the same one. It's just 12 cards. Here's your energy. I'm going to make it as simple as possible. Yet, it can be as complicated as you want with all of these mechanics and how cards work with each other. But we're going to keep it to this base simple of 12 cards, one energy per turn, six turns. And I think that that is the reason why Marvel Snap can exist as a 
casual game. It can exist as a um, a generic game that anybody can pick up and play. And it's a pro and a con. You know, going back to what we were saying earlier, there's a dip currently, which is a stabilization of players, because when it launched, you had a lot of people that enjoyed the casual. And we're getting to the point that a lot of people have completed pool three, and now they're getting into competitive with a lot of series five cards and stuff. And they're starting to understand that like, okay, maybe ladder trying to get to infinite is not my world. And so again, hopefully crossing the fingers, we'll get some type of casual format or conquest becomes the competitive format and ladder becomes a little more casual, whatever it may, may be. But yeah, I love that they really did look at this and understand all of those aspects to make it easy for anyone. True. 100%. 100%. Um, one thing I wanted to point out from one of these photos is kind of a sidebar mm-hmm. conversation that doesn't necessarily have to do with the game construction. Um, yep. But I found it interesting, and it, it's on this one, where yep. Yep. they yep. have our little, our little green turd leech (laughs) and they knew him from the beginning they knew from the beginning he was going to be a little green turd as i refer to him as so eloquently but i'm going to zoom in here on the video side because i want to get your opinion of is this the solution of having leech go back to his old original format i know it's a little blurry on our screen but it says that leech used to be a 4-1 that states, mm-hmm. ignore all text on cards your opponent played this turn. Yeah. So do you like that or current leech better? Uh, I like I like right in between. Okay. Change that to next turn. And he is fixed. It's what I've been saying. It needs to happen one turn. You need to be leeched one turn and go back to normal. Therefore. He works perfectly on turn five like he should. Hand and if or you played. you get a lockjaw, huh? Hand or played. Because this played is fine. played this turn. Because th- I mean, that's so I, very, very different. That's why. Uh, how's it different? That's very different. Think about it. If you have, if I play a brood on the same turn, do those two broodlings disappear? I'm talking about next turn. So if I change the two, ignore effects cards played by opponent next turn oh okay sorry my apologies my apologies yeah so it'll be you know zeroed out for the next turn yeah anything they play next turn and i actually like the way this is worded because it isn't leeching their hand it's literally just saying if they play a card next turn their text goes away and that way what's the difference between that and having a no ability card get played because if you play a card it's got no ability which is like almost the same thing is it not uh, slightly different. So the reason why it's slightly different, playing the card is the same. The reason why it's slightly different is they don't have to touch the cards in their hand. I think that I think the confusion would have came from turn five, leech coming down, hitting your hand, everything saying leeched. You play it, you play whatever card, which is leeched. Next turn, every card in your hand is now does not say leeched, and people would say, well, the card on the ground shouldn't be leeched anymore. I think the way it's worded right here makes perfect sense. When you play it the next turn, it would have no abilities. It would ignore all text on it. And therefore, you don't touch their hand. You're just playing. You're just affecting the next turn that they play. And it works on five. If you get hit on three, 
through a lockjaw or whatever, right? Or hit on four through a lockjaw. It feels mm-hmm. bad for turn five, but you still have a big turn six play you could make up for. I can still play a turn five big card with no text, but turn six, I still have a, a play. But yeah. right now, the problem is turn four, he comes down. And depending on your deck, which is a lot of decks right now, that could mess up your turn five and six. And it's a feel bad. And you just scoop up the game because there's nothing you can do. Because the three cards you had, your Dark Hawk, your Mystique, and your yeah. Devil Dino all sitting in your hand now don't work for the rest of the game. So I True. like the way that's worded. I just would say next turn. And it'd be perfect. So I can I can deal with that. Um, I can deal with that. Good explanation. That helps. Yeah. That helps. It was just I, something I, I noticed and I was like, hmm. Yeah. The the but, only other yeah. thing I, I will say about this screen before you, you jump to the next one, I love yes. how going back to the little decisions that they made, they commented on the screen and the fact that this is a vertical screen. So if you're listening to this in podcast, rather than it being the locations being horizontal, the locations are vertical and each player is playing on the right or the left. They said that the reason why they didn't go with this format is because right-handed people would always play, want to play on the right side and left-handed people would always want to play on the left side. Meaning if they're on the opposite side of the table, both of you, if you're right versus left would want to be playing on the same side. So I thought that was like one of those things I would never think about, but it makes perfect sense of why the game is horizontal with the locations rather than vertical. Yeah. hundred percent. They ended up obviously, as we see in the final client, they, they stuck with this, you know, horizontal format. And then I think it's, obviously you know we're all enjoying it and i don't know like the the whole feel of it right as as we looked through all of these photos looked through all of these evolutions of different versions of the characters and the game itself and what they decided to bring in like the one of the biggest things that i got out of it was Mm -hmm. understanding and lovingly respecting how much care they took when it came to the characters and it came to the conception, the art, the execution, you know, yes, they had to make all new programs to, you know, create those effects that we know, like the 3d and the animated and the backgrounds and all these things, like the layering effects that they created for it artistically, uh, you know, they're beautiful. Believe me, I I know how annoying it is. And that's just me trying to cut things out to make a YouTube thumbnail out of the current imagery, yet alone actually building the stuff in the game. So yeah, yeah. like I, I, I'm not that smart of a person when it comes to that type of computer programming. But what I can say is they took every detail incredibly seriously. And yeah. knowing that they relied on the collaboration with the Marvel comic artists as being a big indicator of hey we want to do this how can we do this that works for you yeah and it worked yeah like, and I'm, I'm curious for those watching this on youtube after the fact or those watching now on twitch so talking about these these animations and these art right and what we have on screen right now if you're listening on the podcast is the frame break mechanic and they talk about this like the fact that originally all the cards were square there wasn't any kind of frame break. And then they did some, you know, finagling with the art. And they were like, man, 
Thanos looks amazing when he's broken out of the frame with the Infinity Gauntlet on. But I'm curious for you guys over on YouTube, leave a comment down below. What's your favorite like upgrade on a card? Is it the frame break? Is it the the animation? Uh, what's what's the one that like sets out to you that you like? And then um, from that, I'm curious, guess from your side, do you think we ever get any more? different art style upgrades or do you think right now we're locked into where we are and just infinite is infinite uh and I things think, like that i think they leave the structure and the amount of levels i think they update for, for example like when they change the infinity border yep i think they do stuff like that i think they leave the uncommon rare etc leveling system even but maybe mm -hmm. they switch up the colors the patterns the that kind of stuff in regards to each of them because me yeah me personally i'm a gold frame guy i like my shiny logo that's me mm -hmm. that's what i want i don't need the red frame i think the gold is very regal i think it just makes your deck pop on the battlefield i whenever i'm building a deck that i absolutely love and i want to keep playing it regularly I will build up all of the cards boosters to gold, to the gold level of shiny logo every time. You know, some yeah, people yeah. like red, some people just want frame break. Some people will do each card based on the color pattern, uh, sorry, the color scheme of the card itself. You know, a lot of people yeah. will do the Inkified cards and they will not upgrade the borders on the Inkified cards because they want a full black and white card minus the name. You know, everybody yeah. does it different, but I'm a shiny logo guy myself. Yeah, I want to see... I want to see them add the ability, which we've asked for it a lot. And even the devs, when we were talking in New York, like also agree to the agree that this is what needs to happen at some point. Not saying they're going to do it. Just saying that they also agree because they play the game. Yeah. That you should be able to change to whatever border that you want. So I don't know what that looks like, right? Is it you get all the upgrades, but you just change the border color or do they make it to where you can actually really customize your card to say, I want this card i want this background i want this border i want yeah. right like i want the gold background but i want to go all the way up to um the animation um but you know i want the because it's inkified i want the white border right like yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious at what level they get with which i think would be awesome i honestly if you want to get the average player that's that just thinks the cards are pretty or whatever right like that brings them in I think if you want to get the super competitive person, it allows them to really customize their deck to be exactly what they want in their deck. So I, I think uh, an addition like that, what even though it adds nothing to gameplay, like specific gameplay mechanics, I think it's something yeah. that like the community would really get behind because now you can not just put these cards in my deck with these variants. I can like really customize my cards and use my card back and, and all that kind of stuff to where it this is my deck right that, that i'm yeah. doing so yeah i would love Agreed. i would love to see that fingers crossed so. fingers crossed it comes to the game relatively soon um yep. the, la the last real image i wanted to showcase and talk about was the fact that it used to have this in conception this like mario world story line <laughs> achievement path yeah. that was so convoluted just looking at it 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 looks like imagine looking at a map of mario world 
where it's like you've got to go to all the little dots and unlock all the little lands and all of them are green, except in Mario World, there's like, what, 8, 10, maybe 12 at most on the land. This has like 60. And these are bright green dots and it's just, it, it, I'm glad they just went with the collection track. <laughs> so what we now know yeah. for your collection level, it is a... <sighs> yeah, I, I would good, imagine good it would be kind of like good good, good decision, it, you know, golf. Yeah, yeah. Good decision. I, I could see it looking like uh, Donkey Kong Country, where yeah. this would be the full <laughs> map, but you'd be zoomed in on just the little part, and then you see your little yeah. guy walk across uh, mm -hmm. to the next little little spot. But um, yeah. no, I mean, here's the thing: I've seen that in a lot of uh, the Xbox uh, style card games. Uh, Magic had a few back in the day, and there's a bunch of them out there where you like you're going on your journey. And I could really see them doing that with Marvel in general. Like, here's my person that's either collecting comic books or I'm this new superhero building up my team of cards. Like, I could have seen them easily doing something like that. I'm glad they didn't because I feel like it would, uh, like, cheapen the game a little bit in my mind. Um, I do feel like this is a competitor to Magic Arena. I do feel like this is a competitor to Hearthstone. Um, but if you added that mechanic... I feel like you'd take me out of that world. And, and Hearthstone does have a little bit of this when they do their seasons. Um, it's not exactly like this, but they, they do have like a dungeon you're going through to, to unlock the cards for the yeah. season. Or I'll say they used to. Again, I haven't played Hearthstone in several years, but uh, I played in the first couple years of launch and it had a lot of that mechanic. Uh, but I agree. Like I, I, it, It's cool to see what was in their mind and what they yeah. were starting with and what they were thinking and where it is today because... A lot of the screens we're seeing once they got to the digital one looks just like what we're seeing in the game outside of maybe a little bit better art. Um, but it is yeah. it is kind of cool. It is really, really cool. It was a really cool talk. That's the only way to word it. It was a really cool talk. It's not one of those yeah. learning about game mechanics type pieces. It's about this is a background you know, presentation. Yeah. It's a how did we get to here presentation. And it's it's worth a watch. If you've got a good, yeah. you know, hour to just, you know, look at and you really like Marvel Snap, it's a very cool watch. It gives you some great insight to the journey that led to the game that you enjoy. So as someone who's yeah. you know very passionate about the game, I know we both watched the whole thing top to bottom. And yep. It was very cool. It's the only way I could word it. It was very cool. It's an hour, yeah. but it was a very cool presentation, and I'm I'm glad I watched it because I have a a, a little bit of a different kind of positive respect for yeah. the journey the only, that they went on. Yeah, and the only other thing I would add is when they were going through that, right? They talked about the fact that they started with two people, then they added yeah. these people, then they got up to a mm -hmm. team of fifty. And again, Marvel Snap was launched with a team of fifty, and that's that's incredible to think about how smooth the launch was. How yeah. big the launch was um, worldwide, how many users they had in the first couple of days of the game. Um, but the the big thing that I think that they did so well, and they still do this, which is the friends and family. So they have the they had these friends and family sessions where they said, "Hey, we're going to open it up to you know five of your friends, invite them on the servers, and let's test this out." And right. they had people giving feedback. And they still do that. Like that's, again, when we were in New York talking to devs, they said when new cards are coming out, they still have friends and family sessions where they test some of these new cards, some of these new locations. And that's how they, they kind of see this. So, you know, yes, we had some issues that we talked about before with Kitty Pride, But if you think about how many cards they've released since go live, 
it's been very, very smooth. Kitty's the first card that's been broken. Kang had a couple issues, but like Kitty was the first broken card, which is actually pretty good. And they they yeah. caught it pretty quick, and they yeah for the most part they dealt with it fairly quick. Now they at least know if it ever happens again, what worked and what didn't work that time. So you know we'll we'll have to True. see. But yeah, I, it was awesome. It was awesome to to watch it to learn again. If you're into building card games, video games, it's a really good watch too because you get to see their pains and some of the stuff they did that was really good and and how it was built. Because a lot of people are like, how do you even come up with this stuff and it's it's a good way to find that stuff out. Yeah, it was very very cool. So I, I I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched it. It was long, not not as long as the Snap.Fan Open, but it was yeah. it, it was uh it was a long long that presentation. Is, that is true. Yeah, the Snap.Fan that Open this, true this past weekend was a, a, a basically in total day of about an eleven hour adventure. I want to say roughly it was ten ten and a half uh from start start to finish yeah it oh. was uh it, it was a giant undertaking giant undertaking and yes extremely you know i i said it back then i even said it in our private you know create a little caster uh thread and conversation like it was a really smooth event from yeah. the tournament side on battlefy to in the discord to communication within everybody involved to the broadcasters to production team also known as you like it was <laughs> it was it was smooth yeah. it was really really smooth yeah. and we had some big takeaways come out of that tournament looking at the numbers and the data and so i have on screen on the youtube side i have snap.fan open and i'm using their tournament yep. page which is open to the public. It's a free thing. You can go to snap.fan, click on in, go down to the little hamburger over on the left-hand side, and then you'll see a tournament section, which is what I'm in yep. right now. And then you can look at all of the different tournaments that they've hosted, look at all of the stats of the yeah, decks as well. Yeah, so I'll, I'll preface for anybody kind of joining in that, that doesn't know, especially if you're listening over on the podcast. Um, so snap.fan where we, and that's including myself, I've been working with Sank and the team, uh, with snap.fan to really start to build this vision of, uh, the pro, the pro circuit of snap, right? No, there's a lot of people out there when, when battle mode dropped that we said, Hey, we need a competitive area for people to play. And we want to create something that, that, you know, builds that up and allows people to, start to maybe make a name for themselves right there's tons of streamers out there myself and guests we stream we make youtube content but the average person they don't do that they don't, they don't have the time they don't want to whatever it may be but they would love to participate in a tournament and get their name out there because they know they're a good player they know they're a good deck builder um and all that so that's kind of the the our baby of the snap.fan opens is these are tournaments that are open to the public these are not invitationals. These are not only, you know, uh, content creators being able to come here. This is literally anybody can sign up. We host these once a month. Uh, so make sure to check over on snap.fan, the website. You'll see those announcements. I want to kind of preface that because this was our second one. And uh, we had 300 people sign up for this. We had, I yeah. think, 286 or 280 something actually check in. 
to the tournament to play. So yeah. again, some people signed up, didn't show up. That's fine. Um, and, and it was a huge tournament and we played it on Saturday. And the other thing I will make sure people understand is this is a long tournament. It is eight rounds of Swiss. And after the eight rounds of Swiss, it is a cut to top eight. So this is not a, I'm just going to go play for an hour and see where I go in a tournament. This is an all day event, which was for, fun. for the community who has never done a tournament before. You're not talking about cheese, right? I'm not. I'm not. So Swiss means each round you will be paired based on your your current uh, rank, your current uh, record, and uh, you will get paired to your next opponent. There's some stuff in the background that also looks at um, you know tiebreakers, win percentage of your opponents, so that you are paired against someone that makes sense to be paired against uh, through this, but you will work your way up. And then at the end of these eight rounds, meaning... Every round you get paired with another random person and through a website, it will let you know who that is and how to, there's a chat so you can contact them. Uh, at the end of that, whoever has the top eight records, so the top eight uh, people will then go into a bracket of those top eight to find out who the one winner is of that. Um, and again, the beauty of this is the SnapFan Open tournaments are going to lead into a, uh, I believe they're branding it as a world championship in january in january yep. and uh this is also teaming up with a couple other people like the snap clash uh guys as well as the battle arena guys for other spots to make it into this world champion and i believe when you go to that tournament you can also see some of the snap battle tournaments uh standings and deck lists and stuff in there too so it's not just the snap.fan ones we are looking at yes and that tournament is about a hundred person tournament uh every single month or i think it's twice a month actually so we're trying to get as much data as we can in the tournament world. So this is specific to battle mode and tournament and not ladder. Because the deck that works right. in ladder, aka Galactus, probably doesn't work over in battle mode. So uh, even though we did have same. one good Galactus player. So yeah, we had a someone who had really good locations and really good, you know, a really good Galactus deck in general. And I wanted to talk about, you know, the, some of the decks that were used that made it to the mm -hmm. top eight. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the card stats and what we refer to as the meta stats in regards to yep. what worked and what didn't during the event, because there were some really big surprises going into mm -hmm. the top eight. You know, for example, yeah, yeah. having the only undefeated deck in eight yeah. rounds not be Shuri Red Skull, but it was a hit monkey bounce deck. Yeah, or, or Thanos. Thanos. It wasn't yeah, yeah. Thanos either. It was a yeah. hit monkey bounce deck. Yeah, it's it's crazy because if we look at Battle Arena had a tournament the weekend before and all top four of the decks were Thanos. I think the tournament yep. before that, six of the eight top eight were Shuri. So this time around, we expected to see a lot of Shuri and we saw a lot of Shuri in the tournament. But yeah, to your point, the only undefeated deck after the eight rounds of Swiss was a hit monkey deck. It was a bounce deck. It had hit monkey. It had beast Quinjet. Yeah. Uh, I think it had was she Hulk at the top end of that moon girl. Like it had some really spicy cards and they actually went all the way to the finals with this deck. And it's just yeah. insane that how good and how consistent the deck was when you see that there were Thanos decks and there were Shuri decks and all of that in there. It was it was it was very cool to see as someone who was commentating on it. It was very cool to see. Very, very cool to see. Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the decks that did very well also, of course, as expected, different variations of the, what we'll call the Shuri deck, which will be yep. not really important anymore um, post probably almost the release of this podcast. Um, yeah. The Lockjaw deck with Thanos that did the best consisted of Leech, no surprise, um, yeah. and Kang. Leech, Leech was, yeah, Leech was uh very a very difficult card so the finals ended up and again if you want to see this if you want to see the vod of the entire tournament you can definitely go over to snap.fans twitch uh and then we'll probably have some youtube videos and stuff coming out pretty soon where we chop all that up for you but the, the vod is up there right now if you want to check it out um but yeah so that that leech card was just detrimental against the hit monkey deck in the final round yeah. Leech coming down was so strong against that deck. Kang coming down, uh, not just on turn six, uh, was actually really good for checking stuff. We saw a few Kangs throughout the tournament um, yep. doing, you know, checks on four and five. Uh, and so it was, it was really crazy um, just to see how people were playing. But I want to talk about the deck right below that one. I do too. <laughs> On screen, so so yeah. Just to give context for the for the audio listeners, the only eight and no deck in the first eight rounds was the Hit Monkey deck. There were mm -hmm. different constructions of decks that went seven and one. Two of them were uh, variations on the same Red Red Skull Shuri deck. We just talked about the Lockjaw deck that had Leech and Kang, mm -hmm. and then out of left fucking field. Top four. Yeah. Top four. Top four deck. Exactly. And almost made it to the finals. Almost made it to the finals. Yeah. We had a cloak and dagger move deck. Did this one did this one have bounce in it too? If you scroll over. No. It had Shuri. Ed Shuri. Ed Shuri was the, the awkward card that I feel Shuri like could have move deck. I feel like Shuri wasn't needed, but throwing down Shuri with Vision and throwing down Shuri with uh, Magneto actually won a couple couple matches uh, within there. But yeah, there were or even Shuri into uh, Miles seemed pretty pretty strong too after yeah. you move something. But um, yeah, I, the thing is, I feel like Move is just one of those very predictable decks in general. But the way they piloted this deck the way they were able to do some of the the crazy stuff uh with cloak and and really just pumping up some of those um you know cards you have to you have to think about if we look at the top 8 decks i don't think there's a single killmonger there so your your human torch i mean he's just getting big you're going to have to shang chi him okay you have one killmonger but i don't he didn't face iron man i don't think i think he was down in the bottom of the bracket but um but yeah, so like I, they they did some cool stuff with the move deck, and I was surprised and I was excited to see that the top four, the top eight, uh, that really truly got in there. There there really, um, was a variety of decks. We weren't just watching Shuri the whole time, uh, and throughout yeah. the tournament, we were able to find some really spicy builds uh, that were there to, to yeah. showcase on stream. Yeah, one of the ones that I I really enjoyed. I'm trying to find it out of this group here was seeing the Shuri Red Skull. Here it is. The one yeah. by J.N. Zook, which was a Shuri Red Skull variation that consisted of Claw as the other yeah. five. A lot of people were playing um, Captain Marvel or Vision as that other big five drop. 
and they played claw and i liked how they had even piloted the claw because it mm-hmm. happened during uh during my section of the broadcast and they just held on to it until like round four or five and then would just bam throw it out there at the very yeah. last second to steal to try to steal cubes yeah. and i love that tactic in battle mode and it's something that kang organically lets you do which is that you know mm-hmm. element of surprise but have i speak to it all the time that it's so important in a battle mode deck to not reveal all of your cards like right off the bat on on game one you want to sometimes go ahead and you know go ahead and retreat give them the one cube of you know that retreat so you can not show every part of your hand right away you know you want that element to surprise later on too yeah at creator clash i actually had um because uh, at Creator Clash, you got to bring two decks. And then when you played, you picked one of the two decks. And my very first uh, match against um, Specimen, round one, he literally didn't play anything. So we went three rounds, or three uh, turns of me playing stuff and him not playing stuff. And again, turn one, maybe he didn't have one drop. Turn two, maybe he didn't have a two drop. Turn three, he doesn't play anything. I'm like, ah, he's just seeing what deck I'm playing. Because we had open deck list, but he didn't, you know, you don't know what deck they picked. And I was yeah. like, man, but it's smart in something like battle mode to give up one cube Very. if you're trying to figure out what they're playing, right? To And I'm not saying you do that every single game, you yeah, know, to no. start please, out. Please, but... no, people, let's not make that a thing, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, now we can blame Default Dan uh, for that if that starts to become a That's thing. True. Because he's That's put true. it out there into the universe. As someone yeah. who's you know huge in the tournament scene, we now have to blame you for the. That's true. You know, That's skip true. on three, skip first three turns. Thanks, great job. Dan. Yeah, great job. But, You're so healthy. But it was, <laughs> it was interesting in that just because we had open deck lists, so he was able to tell what deck I was playing. If you're in closed deck list, I mean, it may help you if you okay. see armor on two, like we've talked about before, right? Armor on two, ah, uh, it's a Shuri deck. That doesn't always mean the case, but you know there are some cards, and maybe you know right away. With the hand that I have, I can't be cheery. There's no reason to reveal more information for them. Um, but yeah, anyway, kind of going into that, it was it was just an interesting kind of concept, and we saw that a couple times too, where when you're playing, you're deciding when you want to give them information or not. Yeah. And uh, you know, once you have said information, it's very valuable, obviously. But the piece of information that I thought was probably most interesting overall was looking at the stats at the end of the tournament and looking at, okay, Mm -hmm. who played what deck the most, whether it's the most successful or just the overall highest frequency of deck. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, I know you made this caveat in the snap.fan broadcast. I'll also make the similar caveat here that these numbers are based on number of total appearances over eight rounds. So... This is including all of that. So whether you played one game and then said, well, I lost, I'm bouncing, or something happened, or you played all eight rounds and you did well all eight rounds, or you did all eight rounds and you lost all eight rounds, it doesn't matter. It's about scene percentage. Yeah. The number and, one. And typically. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and just to, the one little slight caveat with that as well is yeah. the, the typical way that works is if somebody loses two rounds, they tend to drop out of a tournament. Now. True. One, yeah. of the, one of the big things with the Snap.Fan Open is we do have season points, 
And as long as you complete four rounds, you get one season point. So at the end, there is a way to make it into the invitational based on your season points. So keep that in mind. But this is um, true. yeah, so there's there's some of these decks. If you go all the way to the bottom and things like that for people, like you have to remember that some of these decks literally played one or two rounds and then bounced. So their win percentage, their scene percentage, things like that are so low because of that fact. Um, right. Compared to the Shuri Red Skull decks that probably played six to eight rounds because they were in contention for the top eight. So we're going to see them a little bit more. But that right. also means the deck is probably better because if we're seeing them more, it means they're probably winning a lot of their matches, which goes back to win percentages and things like that. Right. A um, couple of big, big things uh, from this one particular tournament that jumped out at me. Okay. So the number one overall deck was a Thanos Lockjaw deck. And that doesn't surprise mm -hmm. me. Uh, the number two deck being the Shuri clone deck, the Shuri Red Skull deck. Again, yep. does not surprise me whatsoever. It's once we started getting past that, that we really start seeing the, the very widespread, right? We obviously really yep. start seeing the very widespread of a giant drop-off, you know, because I'm not going to count the uncategorized decks, you know, decks yeah, that didn't quite fill into the meta categories based on certain card combos, or you're just missing one of... So ignore that, right? Thanos yeah. Lockjaw was 20% of the decks that were seen. Shuri was 18% of the decks that were seen. So 38% already gone. So a third of the decks you say, it's going to be one of these two. After yeah. that, then you start seeing your Dark Hawk, your Hit Monkey Sarah... Doom Wave was making a very prominent presence on number of times seen specifically, which mm -hmm. I'll come back to. And the one I want to talk about is my big, big old friend, Master Mold, coming on down yeah. as one of the top 10 seen percentage decks because I'm so happy to see Master Mold and Ronin get the love that it deserves. And more so, more so in the sense that the Master Mold Ronin deck, even though it was seen less, for the amount of times that it was seen, it won more than the Thanos Lockjaw deck. It is one of the top five-ish decks overall based on the number of, the win percentage yeah. of the deck. And I think it is only the beginning of the era of of Ronin in the tournament scene. I said it when the second Master Mold come on out. I'm going to stand yeah. on that hill, and I'm going to die on that hill, no matter how small you think it is. I think Master Mold is one of the best tournament cards by a mile, and the beginning of him is only just starting now because you saw Dara took down a tournament as well with his Master Mold deck. And you're going to start seeing him more and more and more. Yeah. So I will, I will admit in, in some instances, right. Master Mold is going to be very, very, uh, uh, pivotal in the deck. So if you think of like a hit monkey deck, throwing cards in their hand is really going to hurt when they try to pick up cards like Kitty pride or things like that, when there's no room in their hand. So I would agree with you on the fact that, there is some play there. I will caveat if you're listening to this on the podcast. Some of those scene percentages of so Master Mold is, you know, 3%. Doom Wave is 3%. Hit Monkey is 3%. Yes. So there, yes. there is some like caveats to that, but I will agree the win percentage on that deck was very high. It's almost 60%. 
Um, so yeah. it, it is a deck that's good. And I do think that um, there is a chance that it, it can stick around because of the rise and we will have a rise back of Thanos. So with the Shuri nerf coming, Thanos was the, the biggest deck played here. It got in first place. I mean, it, it will continue to stick around. And with the draw sequences that the Thanos deck has with the stones, uh, flooding them with a couple, uh, a couple um, uh, Sentinels can definitely help you out. So I, I do agree there that there is, there is some decks around that. I think that Master Mold is a card that can disrupt uh, some of the decks out there. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see what happens as the, the tournament expands. I think the other side of this is, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about next week, uh, the, the OTA changes that are about to start coming. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what's going to happen in these tournaments when every week we've got some card changing. Now, I don't think, and this is my opinion, and again, next week we'll talk more about these kind of things, but I don't think that the OTA changes are going to be anything uh, dramatic. I think if I had to guess, 70% of the changes are going to be trying to bring up cards that are not being played. I think it's going to be very I agree. Uh, rare when they try to quote-unquote kill a card. So I think it's going to be more of trying to get cards used, more used, uh, which could really affect some of these decks. So I, I was excited. And, and again, like you mentioned, all these stats are up on the Snap.Fan website. You can see the meta stats and you can see the card stats. So if you want to jump to that one just real quick, I just want to point out what was cool when we were talking on air uh, during the tournament. I mean, the number one played card, the number one seen card was Shang-Chi, meaning everybody was ready for the, the Red Skull Shiri deck. You had She-Hulk, which was the Red Skull Shiri deck. Lizard, Sunspot, that's all part of the Shuri deck. So you either had Shuri or you brought something to counter the Shuri deck. And uh, I just thought that was a really cool, um, you know, figure in there. And there's a lot of other cards that kind of pop up through this list that are interesting to see. Uh, but we are starting to see some of the cards we were seeing a lot, like Darkhawk, uh, not being up in the top of this list, right? I mean, it's midway yeah. or so, but like a lot, of, a lot of the cards that we saw a month ago aren't at the top of this list anymore. Um, you know, Zabu, Darkhawk, uh, you know, the dominating Silver Surfer, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see every week and new cards coming out and the Shuri nerf and whatever, like what cards are going to kind of pop up in each of these tournaments. And so, um, yeah, I love what Sank's doing with all this data. Uh, like I said, you can see this tournament, you can see last month's uh, open, and you can see some of the battle uh, arena tournaments and what they're seeing on their side. Um, but yeah, lots of great stats when you're looking at building decks, especially for battle mode. So keep in mind, these are battle mode. So you're going to see Galactus probably towards the bottom in a lot of cases of these, um, these lists, but it's just really cool to see what people are bringing. Um, and again, looking at some of these decks, the thing I thought was really cool was I think the hit monkey deck outside of hit monkey, I think it's all like series three, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's I mean, all series three. That's a very practical deck for a quote-unquote new just Series 3 complete or even part almost complete player can play that deck. So, yeah, I, I really like, um, you know, being able to analyze this data, and, and we'll have this data every month. And at the end of this podcast or this stream or this YouTube video, 
I've got I've got a, a little bit of announcement that'll that guest doesn't even know about. So we'll get to oh, that. You're springing, minute, you're springing something on me. Great. I am. I am. It's okay. really it's related to Snap.fan, but OK, OK, OK. So overall, yeah. man, I know you, I know you had fun on the the stream itself. You got the cast. It was your first casting uh, during the tournament, yeah. official casting of a tournament. Um, you know, you did a great job. Uh, with uh, with Niall during your segment, as well as you came back for the the after show with myself, you and Pulse, um, just you. having fun. But what'd you think, man? What'd you think? I mean, that's ten and a half hours, and you were there from start to finish, plugging up cards uh, on the screen so people could see them and and talk about them. Uh, but what'd you think? Honestly, uh, f- from a broadcaster standpoint, I had an absolute blast. I loved being able to think and talk about Marvel Snap without the pressure of playing Marvel Snap at the same time. It's very different, you know, being able to have that live reaction, thinking if I were in their shoes, what would I be doing? Trying to think what the other opponent is doing as well and just give that consistent feedback back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It Mm -hmm. was a really, really fun moment for me because as someone who's, grown up around and in entertainment this has been something that i've always you know wanted to do in some way shape or form the podcast you know i've done a podcast in the past previously and i kind of shelved it but the fact that we got to bring it back because i love being able to talk the game and talk about the things that i'm passionate about is a lot Mm -hmm. of fun and then being able to to do it now in a broadcast you know competitive style setting was so much fun uh, from a completely yeah. selfish standpoint, it was absolutely a blast. I am 100% in for doing it as often as possible because it was awesome. It was absolutely yeah. awesome. I, I cannot wait for May, June, July, and all the other fun ones that will come down the pipeline because I know this will not be my last. I will make sure of that, and I will seek it out personally because I, I just had a great time. I had a great time from the production side, you know, dealing with the cards. Like I was, I, I was talking to you afterwards briefly, and you know mentally it was the like you have to be so active like full on like because i'm watching the discord and then i'm watching the live chat then i'm watching the live feed which is different than the live chat because the live chat is seeing a three minute delay and then i'm dealing with the card prompts which i'm activating myself manually every time a card popped up onto the screen Mm -hmm. to show you what the card was that was me on another system so going back and forth and then keeping the communication and updating the stream titles and doing like the whole 11 hours I was like plugged yeah. in. I was talking about it on stream this morning that I was just like, it took me an hour to fall asleep after we had stopped talking that night. It still took yeah, me yeah. an hour to fall asleep afterwards because I was just so like, like in the zone, like yeah. still active brain fried because it's different than streaming and gaming. It's a completely yeah. different world. It's production, you know, it's completely yeah. Yeah. different. And I'm, I'm just, I'm honored to be, to have been a part of it. It really was. It was great. I can't wait to do it again knock on wood yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna hopefully figure out the delay of chat and all that so that's that's my number one goal for next month um so hopefully we'll have that resolved so we can interact with chat real time but still have the game itself delayed uh so the streamers are essentially or the casters are essentially watching a delayed game so we're we're gonna figure that out that that is our number one thing uh to do but yeah i mean it was a ton of fun and and again i Love everybody that showed up. We had uh, well over a thousand people throughout the day popping in. 
uh, I think our our peak was around 380 people based on what Twitch is telling us. And we averaged over 100 people the whole time. And I know that's yeah. not to the levels of some of the other big streamers out there. But honestly, guys, like for our very first, yeah, you know, stream Premier. on a brand new Twitch channel, everything, it was huge. And again, love the community for it and can't wait to have these every month. And, and more people are going to find it. More people are going to either watch it or participate in it. Um, yep. And again, that's the other side of it, right? We also had almost 300 people participating in it. So while they're participating, they're probably not watching the stream. So, uh, you know, yep. a lot of little things, but uh, I definitely think if we can get the real-time interaction with chat, that'll be, that'll be a, a big thing there. Um, but yeah. So anything yeah. else you want to add about the, the snap.fan open before I, mean, I, I throw out a little bit of news there? Yeah, go ahead and throw out the news. I think we have definitely exhausted uh, all right. Uh, the topics of the surprise topics and the uh, the planned topics, including right. the pushed away topics. So what's your announcement, <laughs> so, concern? Because I, I legitimately don't know what he's about to say right now. Yeah, it could be that I'm having a third kid. I have no idea. I'm not. But it, so, it could be. Let's so find guess, out. what's up? I'm starting my own podcast. No, I'm just playing. Um, Son no. of so, a... <laughs> so when it, when it comes hat. to snap.fan, right? We have the snap.fan Twitch channel. And we don't want to just do this once a month. We don't want to only have the that Twitch channel live once a month and not see you guys anytime uh, between that. So I've been talking to some of the guys and uh, we are working through it. And potentially next Wednesday, we are going to start doing, maybe we're going to do a trial run next Wednesday, a Wednesday night snap. I don't want to say battles because that's another branded thing, but on Wednesday nights, we're going to start doing like a four round um, snap tournament. This won't be like a cut to top eight or anything like that. It's just going to be four rounds based on what your record is at the end of the night. You can win some season points and uh, we'll have some casters. So random casters coming on to hang out, talk about it. Um, so nice. a little less formal than cool. the, um, than the once a month tournament. But we want to start to create like a weekly um, thing. So again, we'll have more details on times and things like that. But I come from magic. And when it comes to magic, we love our Friday night magic. We love our Monday night modern, things like that. So uh, what we want to do is start to build something like that. I don't, I can't say, you know, prizes, anything like that to start. Hopefully we can figure out what that's going to look like over time. But we definitely want to get that set up to where we're doing one season points. So if you can't make those Wednesdays and again, you do have snap clash and you have battle arena to also try to win your invitation to the championship. There's a way you can get some season points. So more details to come, but you guys are hearing it first uh, here. Hey, You're hearing it second on the, the YouTube and the, the podcast, um, the actual release, not it. the live presentation. Yeah. 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 And then you're probably hearing it third through your friend who's telling you about it uh, as they're going to be competing. So, We'll get more details around that, but the idea is it's more of a casual four rounds. We'll pair you up based on uh, your standings and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you'll actually be able to compete against, you know, people that are around your level uh, each Wednesday to try to go 4-0 to get some season points. So loving it. And again, like I mentioned, we're going to have some other casters. So guess we'll, I'm sure we'll have you on some of these Wednesdays, helping right. cast some of these games, some of these rounds, uh, and just having fun with it. So. Uh, really want to build again that community it's all about the community we want to make uh, some places to do it and again 
Snap Clash has tournaments going on as well daily that you can do. So I want to give them a big shout out. Wiggins, uh, Wiggins over there in the chat as well, as well as, you know, again, Battle Arena has some monthly uh, weekend tournaments. But if you can't make that 10 and a half hours, here's a good Wednesday night. Come hang out, play some, play some Snap with the community. So cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. That's exciting. I, leg- I had no idea about that. So, uh, I like that. Yeah, I like. Look at this. You're getting world premiere news here on the Snapback know, Podcast, and I'm completely we're, okay with that. And we're going to see how it goes. So not this Wednesday, yeah. but next Wednesday, and I'll just throw out a date in case you're listening to it on the podcast or something like that. Uh, looking at the 26th, so April 26th, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be that. It'll be that night, probably. Again, I normally start cool. streaming around 8 p.m. Eastern, so somewhere around in there. As we get solidified on details, I'll shoot that out to you guys, but uh, on the Discord and. Twitter and all that good stuff, but uh, that'll be held over on that snap.fan Twitch. We got to get it affiliated guys. We've got enough follows. This we got enough uh, average viewers, even if we literally get one person for every stream uh, until the end of the month, yeah. uh, because you guys killed it during the tournament. Yeah, uh, but I got to get some time over there and we feel like that is a really good uh, use of the channel. Uh, again, supporting the community, building, building it up. So. Snap off. Snap off. Snap off. Wednesday night snap off. You heard it here. That's my that's my nomination. <laughs> we'll talk to we'll talk to the those uh that make the decisions. Yeah. All right. So if, if anybody the, has uh anybody has any ideas, chat yeah. it, you know, chat here and or if you're watching this on YouTube, comment down below. What do you think we should call Wednesday nights? Uh and yeah, are you gonna be participating? That's the other question. Default Dan. Where can we find you? All right. You can find me. Twitch.com, or it's not twitch.com. I'm so cool. bad at this. Twitch. Can't find his ass there. Slash, slash default Dan or youtube.com slash default Dan. That's where you can find me. Uh, as well as just hanging out with with this guy here. Uh, like I said, and guess that at the beginning of the stream, if you want to see these things live, come over to twitch.tv slash default Dan on Mondays. And uh, you could be lucky enough because this Wednesday we'll be doing it live again. So this is true. This is true. And as for myself, for those who do not know, once again, my name is Guest, also known as It's Guest Gaming. You can find me four days a week over at twitch.tv backslash It's Guest Gaming, as well as on YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, the all of the above. You all know the routine at this point. So Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone who was watching here on the live broadcast on Default Dance channel and to all of you listeners on the podcast and viewers here on YouTube. Thank you for your consistent support. Tell your friends, tell everybody, hit that like button, subscribe, do all of the above. I appreciate every single bit of it. Thank you so much. So this is this is your moment. This is that outro moment, man. This oh, is your man. moment. I haven't even, Default I haven't Dan. About this. Say goodbye, Default Dan. See you guys later. Is that better? That sounded like you were losing air. Like, see you guys later. See, now you just sound like exasperated Thanos when he's like, this is everything that's right. It's inevitable. inevitable. I'm never going to make one of these good. Never, never. You guys leave a comment on what my outro should be next time. I will read off the top one. Yeah, because leaky tire is not cutting it. (laughs) 